Yes, welcome to Home Studio Q&A here on Studio Live today for yet another week. My name is Pete and this is our show where I try to help you with any of your home or mobile recording questions. If you've got questions, we've got uh, answers or at least hopefully something that's going to push you in the right direction. I'm joined by the Studio Live Today community who are here live on YouTube and Facebook. And the beauty part of that is they can help me answer any of the questions that are too much of a curveball for me. So instead of just having one dude, one person's opinion, you know, I don't like the whole, um, in my opinion, in my experience. Well, I do like it. I think a lot of people try to deliver information in a way that says, here it is, here's the black and white, the yes, no, the right, wrong. Uh, that's not what music's about. <laughs> Creativity is not about that. It's all about the gray areas. Like my uh, Masters of the Universe t-shirt, it's all about the gray areas when it comes to music. Righty-dokey. Uh, we will get into the questions in a moment. If you are here live and you've got a question, just do what this says down below. For those listening on the audio, it says, got a question, put question in front of your comment. That just means I'm going to be able to pick it out when I'm going through and looking for all of the, looking through the chat, uh, I'll be able to see what's a question and what is just some general banter between the folks who are here live. So, got a question? Put question in front of your comment. Now, the topic of the week this week, we're talking about criticism when it comes to music. So uh, we'll dive into that and then we will circle back. We'll be about five minutes on uh, on criticism and then we'll circle in and we'll start cracking on with some questions. So get those questions ready. But for now, let's dive into this. How do you manage criticism when it comes to your music? Well, let's first of all reframe criticism, shall we? I use that word because it gets used a lot. We critique things, there's critics and there's criticism, but feedback is the word that I like to use because feedback denotes more positivity than negativity. Now, I'm not saying that we should all have American Idol syndrome and never critique someone's work and never tell them what they can do to make it better, but it does have to be feedback that's actionable, that's actually going to make a difference. So what I'll do is because it's the internet, we'll go through five topics or five tips around feedback, uh, how to receive it, how to give it, and how to what to be on the lookout for when you are giving and receiving feedback online. And because it's the internet also, we'll have a bonus one at the end. So if, if you get through the five, I'll give you my sort of ultimate tip for feedback towards the end uh, of this rant. So uh, let's jump in. First and foremost, foremost, consider the source. This is super important. Before you go and make wholesale changes based on one person's opinion, consider the source. There's a few things to think about. What is their previous track record of comments? This is something that I've started doing more and more is as soon as you get a comment from someone, it's actually a fascinating little study to go back and say, hmm, is this just something randomly for my particular situation or is this pretty consistent? And sometimes you'll go back and you'll see just a, uh, a myriad of comments that are very much along the same lines. Some people just seem to be a bit angry and upset about most things most of the time. So consider that before you take too much notice. What is the previous track record? As I said, what have they actually been producing themselves? So for music critique, for music feedback, I make sure that I go, there are some people that are pretty much professional armchair critics who spend all their time assessing and analysing and critiquing other people's work. You look at their body of work and there's nothing there. And that's the thing. You do need to consider the source. Consider who's providing the feedback and whether it's your worthwhile you actually jumping in and listening to too much of it. Uh, part two is to ask for feedback. So this may sound strange, 
but just sharing won't necessarily get you the feedback you need. So if you just put something out there and then you might get a bunch of people saying, hey, that rocks, thumbs up, fire, fire, 100, 100. That's not really helping you to develop and to get better and to improve your music. So what I like to talk about is asking for feedback and uh, putting it out there to say, what can I do to improve this song? So when you're sharing a song to say, hey, what, if, if this was your song, what's the one thing that you would focus on? And people might say, oh, I would actually bring the vocals up a bit or oh, I'd, I'd tame that uh, guitar tone. I think it's too treble heavy. So asking for feedback is important for the following reason. And that is these things, blind spots. Yeah, we all have blind spots. And the reason it's important to get feedback from other people is not so that you can just get one random person's opinion on your music or provide your random opinion, but it's to help with blind spots. We all have blind spots when it comes to everything in life. It's why some people can think some things that they do. I'm not going to get into a big debate. You know what I'm talking about. People have blind spots based on their perception, based on their background, based on their beliefs, based on their upbringing, based on just their ears. I, I don't hear volume as well as other people do, especially in the sort of mid-range, mid to high range. So when I'm mixing vocals, I used to mix them way too loud. I've said this a bunch of times. It was a blind spot for me. So now I'm very, very conscious of that. I mean, probably too conscious, but it was a blind spot. It wasn't until I started sharing my music and people would say, hey, this is a cool track, Pete. Your vocals are like 3 dB too loud, dude. And I'd turn them down and they'd be like, yep, spot on. And I'd be like, oh, to me, they sound a bit buried. But again, whilst you've got to be happy with your own stuff and you do have to trust your own judgment, if I am thinking one thing and nine other people are thinking a different thing, it's not always cool to go with the crowd, but sometimes you do got to go, hey, there's got to be some merit there. Maybe it is actually a blind spot for me. Actionable insights is the next thing. So uh, this is not for everyone, uh, but, but I've done this with music and with videos here on the channel is finding out what people are actually saying. So, you know, no, what not, sorry, I'll, I'll rephrase that. What I say not for everyone, not everyone is going to want to know how to change things. Some people are sharing things for different reasons and some people don't actually want the actual genuine feedback and they don't want to make changes based on feedback. That's totally cool. More power to everyone. But for me, when I get feedback, especially negative feedback, so if I get, hey, that video sucked, like on the, here on the channel, I get people that just say, your video sucked. I'm like, oh, that's a bit unfortunate. But I could just leave it there or I could put a hateful comment back or I could delete it. But more often than not, what I'll say is, hey, thanks for taking the time to watch and provide feedback. Could you help me out by letting me know what it was that sucked? What, 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 what is it that I could have changed to improve this? And you know, not, probably 50-50, half the time people won't respond at all. But when they do, they'll, they'll either continue the hate, in which case, oh, well, I move away. But if they just go, oh, I, I just, usually they're actually freaked out that I'm a real person, not just the internet, because some people think they're just talking into a tunnel and it's all just going one way. And then as soon as you get a response, they're like, what? Uh, but the ones that do respond will say, oh, I just thought that you talked too fast and I couldn't understand it and uh, the video was a bit too long. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks for the feedback. And over time, even those, what, what I could construe as hateful comments at the start, I got some actual value out of because I realized that uh, behind that you suck was just frustration that I didn't deliver exactly what they thought I would. And again, consider the source. <laughs> Go back to point one. If it's someone that just trolls every single person that they ever uh, provide feedback to, whether it's videos or music or whatever, then that's not going to work so well. 
Last but definitely not least is to find a trusted network. Find a place to share your music and to share your opinions and your feedback that is going to be a group of people that are all helping building each other up, not pulling each other down. Unfortunately, the internet is a big wild west of a place where people think that they can actually do and say things. It's really weird. If you're out in public and you're just walking, it's like when people are in their car. The internet is like being in your car. Have you seen people act in their car? They're throwing the finger signs, they're yelling, they're screaming, they're, it's ridiculous. What happens on the road? If you're a pedestrian, you don't see that. There's no pedestrian rage that I've come across. I do a lot of walking. You know, when you're walking along and someone's like, does that thing where you're almost walking into each other, you're like, ah, <laughs> sorry. But if you're in a car and someone cuts you off, you're just like, ah, you piece of, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's weird. The internet is like that. It's the car of life and of feedback and of opinion. So, yeah, finding a trusted network is important. Now, I'm biased, but the network we have here on Studio Live today, here in the community on YouTube and Facebook, is very cool. We've got the Create, Record, Release Facebook group, which is a great group of folks, about 500 people over there. And we're all pushing in the same direction. And that's really important is that I know that anyone that's giving me feedback there is only trying to help me grow. We don't have any or much uh, in the way of jealousy, of tall poppy syndrome that we love to have here in Australia, people cutting each other down because they don't want other people to be better. No, we all just want to keep improving and growing and learning from each other so we're able to provide feedback. So there you go. They're my five things. What is the bonus tip though? I did mention that at the start that we'd have a bit of a bonus tip there uh, and that is this, which is when asking for or giving feedback, focus on one thing. So I say this from my past history in leadership and management, it is really overwhelming. If, if I listen to a song and I'm like, I suddenly pick out five different things that that person could do better, what I'll do is instead of giving them all five things, I'll give them one thing. So you might've heard this on Your Music Live when I'm providing feedback, is I'll go, the one thing that I would focus on with this one is improving the vocals, uh, making sure that you're on pitch with your vocals. The one thing I'd improve with this is making sure your timing is tight because having that bass and that kick drum off the beat is actually distracting and it's making the song less than it should be. So that's that's probably my advice for you when you're asking for or giving feedback. The one golden rule that I have is keep it simple, make it one actionable thing because as soon as you give a whole bunch of things, then it's gonna be really hard to actually action those. There you go, what do you think? How do you manage criticism, feedback when it comes to your music? It's an interesting topic. Hopefully you got some value out of this one here today. Let me know in the comments if you've got anything you would like to add. Speaking of the comments, uh, once again, we'll just hello to the folks who are here live. We have Bubba, Deep Gravity, Jade Star. We've got Scott here, 1000 Watts. Gino, Therese, Metallion, 58. Uh, Jarinski, hello. Ian, hello to you. SM Borthwick, Tom Rochelle, uh, Ruben. We've got a bunch of folks here having some uh, having some chat and uh, chatting with each other. Once again, if you do have a question, uh, please put question in front of it. And then uh, I will answer that. Like this one here from our friend Metallion, 58. Question. Any major problems with iOS 14? This is a good question. I haven't done a video about this yet. I know others have. Uh, when I've been asked for my advice, my opinion, I've said, I'll tell you what I'm doing, and that is not updating on my main gear. So I have updated on one device, on my iPad Air 2. It's fine. Everything seems to work okay. I haven't updated on my iPhone XS or my iPad Pro 2020 because I use them every day and they are they are studio live today. So if I can't use LumaFusion or GarageBand for a day, 
that has a significant impact on my ability to create videos. Because I do a video every day, I can't be even one day without it. And as you know, if you've updated to iOS versions before, Unupdating is not even really in the wheelhouse of things you can do. So you can't put the cork, what is it, the genie back in the bottle. So my advice is to uh, to hold off, <clears throat> um, especially for iOS 14. There is nothing, there's no killer features in iOS 14 that are making me go. iOS 13 was a bit different. Because we had the file support, I desperately wanted file support. So I had to update to iOS 13 to get the file support, which is external USB files. And I did a bunch of videos on those. So I needed to update and I did that pretty quickly. iOS 14 is not really adding much to me. Uh, I'm not I'm not super keen on the widgets. I don't really think I'll use them a lot. The whole app library thing, there's not a whole lot in there. I do want to check out, apparently the voice recorder has some new features. I do want to check out that and, uh, and play around with it. But outside of that, I'm not thinking it's worth it. So I'm going to give it a week or two, see what happens, see what breaks, <laughs> let the other people be the bleeding edge and uh, just sit back and wait for now. So what do you think? Who, who's updated? Uh, let me know if you've updated and if you've had any issues. I did have two people, in fact, report that merge is an issue. Now, I don't have my iPad Air 2 here, but they said they couldn't merge a track in GarageBand. Not sure if it's related to the software or just that they're tapping in the wrong spot, but we'll find out. Well, I'll, I'll test it out coming through. MM has a question, says, uh, I have not yet started, but I'm excited. What's the best way to just get going without overthinking too much? Yeah, it's a really good question. If you're trying to create music or if you're trying to create a song or if you're contributing in song timber, what's the best way to get started without overthinking it? It can be tough, but it. I, I have a saying, which is when you don't know where to start, just start. And that sounds really stupid because you're asking, you're saying, Pete, just tell me, but, that, but where, but what, what do I do? Uh, what I like to do with music in particular is I do, I do a lot of these where I do an eight bar challenge. So if I'm completely stuck, especially if you use GarageBand, but pretty much anything else is that I'll set up a project with eight bars and I'll just start grabbing loops, grabbing virtual instruments, recording things into the sampler, recording audio in through the microphone, whatever it is, and I'll just create an eight bar song. Why that's so powerful is that it's overwhelm that stops us doing something. So whether you want to record an entire song, write an entire book, um, I don't know, cook an entire meal, all these things are like, you have to think about all these different components. If you chunk it down to the smallest possible actionable bit, that can often really help you out. So the smallest actionable bit that's actually relevant, I think, when it comes to music, is just doing an eight bar loop. Just record yourself an eight bar loop. I even did, I've done eight bar challenge, challenges before. Maybe after Songtember, we should do that to keep our creative juices flowing. Maybe we'll do another eight bar challenge. But yeah, just pretend, write something really small, really simple, and you'll be surprised because some of my eight bar challenges have expanded out and I've gone, oh, I like that. Let's just copy this section and then we'll bring in this other instrument. Oh, and let's copy it again. And it builds into an entire song kind of organically. So that's, that's my tip to you. Eight bars for the win. Uh, let's see if we've got any other question. Uh, yeah, so Jade's also saying, I've said someone they couldn't merge tracks anymore. Uh, yeah, I saw the same problem. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see if that is an actual deal and something that's actually happening. Uh, and some, some devs have come out to say that uh, some of the code for Interrap Audio and AUV3 apps have issues. Yeah, it comes down to the fact that the more stuff you use, the more likely you are to have problems. So if you're using just GarageBand, pretty basic, pretty simple, you're probably going to be fine. If you're using a bunch of different third-party apps and you're really pushing your, your device to the limits, 
then yeah, there's more things that can go wrong. It's a pretty common thing. Uh, Scott says, that's why I like the create, record, release. Very, respect, very, very respectful group. This community is great. Well, thank you. And uh, I appreciate everyone because it's not me that uh, like communities, like, I've created obviously create, record, release and studio live today, but I did it to try and bring this tribe of people that I hoped was out there together because I've seen other groups and they get it right sometimes and sometimes it's a bit challenging. But the whole thing I wanted to do with create, record, release was really focused in and that's why the name of the group is create, record, release, because I'm like, anything outside of helping people create, record, and release their best music is kind of out of scope, but there's a lot that's therefore in scope for the group. Uh, Latio, let's continue on. We've got a question here from Ian. Hello to you. Would you say the Tascam IXZ or IXZ is better than the iRig? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, let's see if I've got mine handy here. If you're not familiar with what the Tascam IXZ or IXZ is... It is this little sucker. Uh, it is this interface. So it is Tascam, IXZ, IXZ. You can see there, it's got a combo jack here. So it's got the ability to plug in your guitar or your mic. Uh, it's got a selector there. You've got phantom power that's battery powered. It's got two double A's in the bottom there. Oh, I can't open it. Uh, there we go. Two double A's in the bottom there. They provide the phantom power. And it's got an input gain slider there. It's got a headphone jack on the back and a TRRS adapter to plug into your iPhone or iPad or your little dongly adapter if you need to do that. Now, is it better than iRig? Yeah, kind of, because you have the, the double there. So there's not too many iRigs that are an analog iRig that actually have the combo jack there that you can use a, a guitar and a microphone with, as well as phantom power. So that's why I like the Tascam IXZ, IXZ, um, but you're still using an analog connection. So if it was this versus just an iRig or an iRig 2, I'd go the Tascam, but really these days, because of 24-bit audio, because you have the ability to capture such good quality audio. If you're looking to buy something new or to update or upgrade, I'd go with the iRig HD series, or the best of both worlds is the iRig Pro IO, which uh, has the same setup, a combo jack, so that you can record either guitar or microphone, but it uses that uh, the digital connection via USB or Lightning. So I've reviewed that here on the channel. But again, if you're looking for, if you're getting started and you want something budget, yeah, I love this thing. And I recommend this to a lot of folks because it's everything. You don't need any adapters. You don't need anything else. If you've got a microphone or a guitar cable, you plug it in, you plug this in, your headphones go in there and you're recording. And again, it won't be the best quality recording, but it's going to be super simple and get you up and running. Hopefully that helps you out. Uh, we'll have a quick scroll down here and see if we've got some other questions. Uh, Gary says, uh, do you offer constructive criticism if none was asked for? Hmm, yeah, or how do you? Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I, I've got in trouble for, for offering. Um, and I know, Gary, you, you replied to my email and gave me some insights, which sort of sculpted some of the things I talked about before. But yeah, if, if none was asked for, how do you actually approach that? Uh, again, it depends on the source. So in somewhere like Create, Record, Release, we're pretty clear that we're all there to learn. And everyone's very respectful and everyone's giving feedback to help build people up and grow and develop. So I think in that case, if someone shares a track in Create, Record, Release, they know that that's what it's for. If someone just puts it on their personal profile, that's a little bit different because they may just be saying, hey, I did a thing. And it may be important to, to actually encourage and motivate people to continue doing things as opposed to going straight in and going, right, that's great, but you're clearly not EQing your bass correctly. <laughs> like they're the sort of things. So it's an interesting one. Um, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know the best way to go. What I, what I have done in the past that's been quite successful is I've asked if someone wants feedback. 
So if someone's shared something and I've got a bunch of stuff I want to say that I think is going to help them, I'll actually ask. So I'll say to people, uh, are you sharing, are you sharing this? So people will email me a song, for instance, and I'll often reply saying, are you sharing this just so I can listen to it? Or, or are you looking for critique on feedback? And if they say, oh yeah, go nuts, tell me everything, then that gives me the permission. So I guess asking permission is probably the one thing. Uh, Jade says she likes the new uh, Siri interface. Folks talking iOS 14 here. Yeah, I, I do want, that's one of the reasons I do want it so that you can have that phone call and that Siri experience that doesn't just take over your whole screen. That looks kind of cool. Uh, and uh, Barry Tomkinson is finding iOS 14 quite stable, which is good news. And yes, I will be updating, but uh, yeah, I'm just waiting. Cause again, I, I can wait, I'm very patient. <laughs> It's one of my one of my qualities. I don't have I don't I have some qualities that are challenging, but one of my good qualities is patience. Um, I can wait. I can wait things out. So we'll go with that. Uh, Sion says that the eight bar method is the best way I make songs. Yeah, it can it can really turn things. You can, you can grow your song that way, and it can be quite organic to actually grow uh, a song using the eight bar method. Let's see if we have any more questions, and then we will uh, jump on over. Uh, V2, hello, uh, says, what uh, auto-tune vocals do you recommend for GarageBand users trying to record clearer vocals with some effects? To be honest, I just use the pitch control built into GarageBand. I don't use any third-party AU plugins for, for auto-tune or pitch correction. I find that for the small amount that I recommend and that I use, the actual auto-tune or the pitch correction or what else is it called? The, the pitch enhancement, enhanced tuning that we have in GarageBand is fine. So I use something like the lead vocals or the radio ready uh, or the, what's the other one? Punchy presence, uh, whichever ones have the actual, um, the, the pitch control on there. And then I just dial in the rest of the effects to taste. So that's my, that's my basic thing with, uh, with that. Um, I'll just see if we got any final questions. No, we're good. Uh, I will, uh, I will continue to, uh, oh, oh, we'll jump over. That's what we're doing. We'll jump over to the questions we've had through the week. And yes, I'm here on my iPad this week, trying a slightly different method here, but hopefully this works out and I can do some demoing, uh, with, uh, with the, with the iPad here and answer these questions. So, uh, we've got a question first up here about the drummer app in GarageBand iOS. Uh, so, Ocrapy says that your stuff is very helpful. Thank you. One question. The top left upside down triangle used for lots of drop downs doesn't appear on my setup. Latest iOS with iPad Pro, should it? So yeah, I, and because I've done tutorials over the years in iOS on iPhone and iPad, there are some differences between the two. So if we jump over to the GarageBand, the GarageBand, to GarageBand, we jump over to GarageBand uh, and we jump in here and we'll create a song and we'll jump into something like Drummer, which is what we're talking about here. What's big? Oh, I'm using AirPlay. One moment, I just need to unplug and replug in my audio interface. That way, if I do want to play audio, it'll actually come through properly. Oh, AirPlay sounds a bit glitchy and uh, doesn't work as well. So this should come up and tell me I'm monitoring in just a moment. No, not going to do it. Oh, hopefully it is monitoring. Yep. It's working anyway. Uh, so yeah, here's the thing. What we have here is a lot of your changes, that, a lot of the things that you can use in iOS uh, are right here in the middle if you're using an iPad. So the tutorial that we were talking about in the other one, I was on my iPhone, which you'll notice has a drop down in the top left to do things like change instruments, where if, if you're here, you just tap right in the middle there and you change it. So if you're, if you're watching this or if you're playing around on your iPhone, you'll notice that you don't have the ability to tap on the big picture in the middle. You actually have to tap in the top left, go to your drop down menu and then reselect it. It's the same for other instruments. So if you're grabbing your keyboard instruments, 
it's exactly the same. So if you came in here, uh, instead of being able to tap in the middle here and change your instruments to whatever you're using, you have to again tap in the top left corner and go to your drop down. So it does make things slightly different. One of these days I'll do a complete uh, video which is the differences, the difference between uh, what you do with your iPhone and your iPad when it comes to GarageBand. Because the differences are small, but it does tend to trip people up. For instance, the, the actual mixer knob, uh, not the knob, the mixer interface. So this one here is in the top left here on your iPad. On the iPhone, you've got to go to the top right, drop it down, and then grab it up here. So it's, and then it pops out over here. So it's a bit weird. So maybe that'll be something to do for the future is all, all the differences between the iPhone and the iPad. Oop, I, hit a, I hit a bass note there. That was a bit weird. Uh, let's come back and take a look at our next question. Uh, this is good having everything on the iPad here. Uh, so question here about powered hubs and powering up your stuff. So uh, hi there. I'm looking for a way to forego the camera kit and plug a lightning to USB straight into a charging hub. The problem is I don't know if the iPad will be able to be the master. I don't like the bulkiness of the camera kit, so I'm trying to avoid it. Do you know of anything? Uh, okay, so, say it with me, folks. No, you, you do need the lightning to USB adapter for any lightning-based iPhone or iPad. There's no actual way to go around that. You're not going to be able to create the USB host that you need to with any other type of cable. So your regular lightning to USB cable, people have said, can't I just get a male to female adapter and then plug it and then do this and then do this? No. Uh, anytime you say, can't I just, the answer is probably no when it comes to Apple and connecting stuff. Uh, USB-C, completely different story. If you've got an iPad 2018 or 2020 with USB-C or the new iPad Air 4, which is coming out with USB-C, then yeah, you can use anything. Any generic adapter is going to be pretty much fine. But if you're using a lightning-based iPhone or iPad, unfortunately, you do need at least the lightning to USB adapter, the Apple one, or preferably the big chungus, the lightning to USB 3 adapter and that is the only way you're going to get yourself connected. Uh, if you're using a powered hub you don't necessarily need the USB 3 adapter because you can just plug through the hub and then plug that in. That works for most devices but for the best universal compatibility you need that adapter. Now you can get, and I've seen people using, if you don't want the big chungus hanging off the side of your iPhone or iPad, you can get a lightning extension cable. I haven't used them because they look a bit janky, but apparently you can do that. So you can get like a one meter lightning extension that's sort of a male to female, plug your adapter into that, and then you don't have the thing hanging off the side. So maybe that's another option if you want to avoid having the big one hanging off the side of your things. Uh, let's continue on to the next one. Uh, I've got a fairly long question here. Uh, I have an iRig Pro Duo. Can you tell me if you can simultaneously play guitar and sing with effects on this device? I upload GarageBand microphone on channel one and uh, guitar on the second. I go to the effects of the voice, everything works. And when I switch on the guitar, everything immediately merges with the microphone. Although, you, although here you can connect a guitar and a microphone with a MIDI keyboard. But so far, I haven't been able to make out anything. So far, it turns... Uh, so far, it turns out to play everything correctly. I'll be grateful for the advice. So let's talk multi-track recording, shall we, in GarageBand in particular. So if we come out here to our track view, we've got our drums and some weird synth sound here. So what we need to do is uh, hit the plus button here. Let's just say we're going to record a couple of things. 
I'm going to record a microphone first. So we're going to tap on the microphone. Here it is. We're going to clean. Let's just let's put the uh, vocals, lead vocals that I was saying before with this pitch control. Yeah, let's let's T-paint it up. <laughs> I'm not actually going to record vocals. But what you, we would do there is I have a two-channel interface. So when you have just your regular microphone plugged in, down in the bottom here, you won't be able to select anything. Or if you're using a USB microphone, this will just say USB. If you've got a two-channel input, it'll have input one and input two. So you need to select input one on your first channel come back in here to your track view tap it again this time say you want your instrument you want your guitar on your second channel there you go but this time you need to make sure you select input two and if we come over back over here to our track view what you can now do is if we slide out your panel you can now set both of these to record so we can be recording the mic and the guitar and in terms of the effects that you're setting here they're going to be separate as well. So if you come up to your effects here, you can actually change all of the plugins and EQ for your mic there and for your guitar there completely separately. Now, when you're playing back, if you want to monitor both of these, you tap on these buttons here. So we're going to monitor that one. We're going to monitor that one. And now if we had a mic and guitar plugged in, we would actually be able to hear those monitoring through. And then when it's time to record, we just hit this button, which now has a little number two behind it because it's recording two different tracks. We hit on that one. It's going to record in and there we go. And that's it. So you can record your mic and your guitar completely separately. Now, what is going to happen, and this may be what you're experiencing, you're going to get some bleed into your microphone from your guitar. So it's not going to be completely separated. If you're using two guitars, yeah, you'll get almost complete separation. But anytime you've got a microphone in the picture, and even some guitar pickups will pick up other sound. You might have heard that if you're recording guitar, you're like, why is my guitar picking up my vocals? That seems weird. Well, guitar pickups are just little tiny microphones. Not quite, but they work in a similar way. So sometimes they pick up some noise. So yeah, that, that's how you manage that, your two tracks. So whatever sort of interface you're using, if it's two channel, just keep in mind that once you're here in your input, you just need to make sure that you set the right channel. Oh, and while we're here, don't ever set stereo. Uh, unless you're recording stereo onto one track, if you set stereo, I've had people come to me and said, Pete, my microphone's all on the left, my guitar's all on the right. I'm like, did you select stereo? Yeah, okay, don't select stereo. It looks tempting because stereo always seems like, ooh, stereo is better than mono, right? Not when it comes to recording. You want to record in mono if it's a microphone or a guitar because it doesn't actually make sense to record in stereo if you're just only going into one channel of a two-channel stereo input. Hopefully that helped you out and anyone else that may be having the same problems there. Let's come on back to my photos, which is where my questions are and we'll answer another question and then we'll uh, circle on back and see if we've got any other questions from the folks here live uh we've got a question here the best free plugins for GarageBand ios where might i find the new pitch plugin so the the new pitch plugin is one that actually is part of the GarageBand audio unit plugins so what i'll do um just so i'm, I'm going to jump into my settings here so i'll make sure i'm not going to show anything that i'm not allowed to show on the screen in my settings and then i'll come on back because I need to go to a different section over here. Hold the line, please. Your call is important to us. Uh, there it is. All right. So if you want to make sure that you have all of the available free Apple plugins here in GarageBand, here's what you do. 
uh, we'll come over here. There is my iPad, and I'm just in my regular settings menu, yeah? So the, your little settings cog, you come into here. But you'll notice you got all these different sort of settings that you can change for all your different apps, including one for GarageBand. So GarageBand has a bunch of settings over here. You've got your knob gestures, ooh, you've got your crosstalk protection, automatic recording length, MPE controllers, keyboard note labels, uh, this one, that's important, your reset GarageBand. I cover these in a bunch of videos, so if you want to learn anything about these, just go to the, the YouTube and type Pete Johns and keyboard note labels, or Pete Johns and uh, automatic recording link. Like, they're, they're all there. But the one we're interested in is this one. If this is not selected, you need to turn that one on, and then what you'll then do is go back to your GarageBand. You'll probably need to close the app. So if you're not familiar with that, you need to flick up and close the app like that, and then go back in to GarageBand and reload it. And what this will do is it'll load up these free Apple AUV3 plugins. So we're back here with these lead vocals. If we wanted to use one of these, we'll just get rid of that effect EQ and we'll add in. If we go to our audio unit extensions, here's all the ones that I've paid for and the, the, the other plugins. But down the bottom here, we've got all these. We've got 15 of them. Oh, I tapped on the screen. We've got 15 free plugins that you can use. Now, they don't have the most beautiful interfaces here in iOS because these are basically borrowed from the Mac, but there's a couple of pretty cool ones. The one I use all the time is this, the peak limiter, because sometimes you just, you don't want to compress, you just want to limit it. You want something that's going to increase your volume and brick wall it at the top at zero dB, so you're not going to clip or get distortion. So the peak limiter is actually pretty handy for that. You can then see, you tap on here, and yeah, it's not sexy. It's not a good looking interface, but all you need to do is just add in a little pre-gain and then adjust your attack and release based on what you want to do. Normally, if you're mastering, sort of a slow attack and a quick release. And then, yeah, you can very quickly and easily add a little bit of limiting just using this free peak limiter. And again, there's 15 of them there. They're all pretty cool. I've got videos about uh, them over on the channel. If you search Pete John's free plugins, Pete John's Apple AU, you'll find all of these things. So hopefully uh, that helps you out. If if you want that new pitch plugin or any of these other plugins here in GarageBand, you can get them all and you can get them now. Uh, yes, the uh, the good good old knob gestures. Yes, <laughs> type in Pete John's knob gestures. Yeah, you'll be, get some interesting videos there. Uh, no, it's... <laughs> We always get off track. Can't even blame Patrick or Mike, uh, Enjo, or anyone at the moment. It's all just me. Uh, I blame you. <laughs> I blame the community. Uh, question here, how to connect a USB interface to an iPad or iPhone? Uh, okay, this sounds great, but what happens if you're a PC user? Well, I am. Uh, how do you connect to an Android? Yeah. So I don't know. So I don't connect any audio gear to Android. I've spoken to Android users and I've heard varying different stories. The challenge with Android is that Android devices are made by a bunch of different manufacturers. So Google make their Pixel range. You got Samsung, you got Huawei, you got Huawei, you got all the ways. Uh, there's a bunch of different people that make Android smartphones. Uh, I'm trying, trying to think of others. LG, Sony, like yeah, there's a heap of different companies. And they all use slightly different specifications around power, around consumption, around connectivity. So even though most of them these days are USB-C, you'd think, can't you just get a USB interface, USB-C, plug it straight in and use it? Yeah, it doesn't always work. The, the one, not the one, but for, for all the criticism that I have and others have of Apple, it is actually pretty easy that once you've worked out how to do a thing on an iPhone or an iPad, because they're all running exactly the same version of the exact same iOS and they've all got the exact same connectivity options, it's kind of easy to work out what you need to do. Got a lightning-based iPhone or iPad? Get it lightning to USB 3 adapter, you're good to go. 
got an iPad Pro with USB-C, get any sort of generic USB-C adapter, you're good to go. With Android, I'm just not sure because your mileage may vary. So the thing is to try it. Get one of the OTG cables uh, that you can get that's going to connect up your device, the USB-A, the USB-C, plug it in, see what happens. I think that the main premises are going to be the same. You're going to need power, so a powered USB hub will be important, and you're going to need something to convert the USB signal to whatever it is that your device actually needs. And then you've got to cross your fingers and your toes, roll the dice, and see what happens. So that's my take. Sorry, I could be more useful, but I do get asked this a lot. So I thought, I'm not going to ignore the question. I'm going to tell you what I know and then you might have to go out and research it with some folks that know a little bit more than what I know about Android, which is the big goose egg. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, continue on here. Richard says, Hi, Pete. After adding all the instruments, I'd like to know how the final recording of the song is done. Do you have a link where you have done that? Thank you so much for your quick and prompt responses. It truly helps. Well, thank you. And yeah, so if you're talking in terms of once you've got your instruments in there, you do it because this was related to my start a new song video that I did. And I am well overdue to do a whole series where I basically, because I mean, Song Temper has kind of been this, but it's been a little bit sort of disjointed all over the place. I think uh, I'm, I'm due to do a video where I just show the end-to-end -end process of here's how I set up a song, here's how I start recording, and then here's how I mix, and here's how I master, and here's how I do everything. So uh, maybe that's something that need well, not maybe, but that's something that I definitely need to do in the future uh, in terms of... Oh, Chrome didn't shut down properly last time. <laughs> I've just... I bring it up here, and it's like, Chrome didn't shut down correctly. Do you want to restore? No, I won't restore. Uh, but yeah, the, the good thing to, to do is if we go to studiolivetoday.com, this is my home on the web, uh, yeah, th there's a bunch of different uh, different ways that you can actually find all the different videos that I do. And uh, the easiest way is this search button. So if you come to studiolivetoday.com and you hit the search button, you can actually go into the search bar here. And if you just put, say, mixing in there, then you're going to get my from latest to least latest. So here's my mixing a rock song video that I did just a few days ago. We've then got uh, changing plug-in order when mixing, final mixing in GarageBand iOS and preparing for mastering. So this is the easiest way. If, if folks are looking for a particular type of video uh, and you, you're thinking, I, I know that Pete's done something on this or maybe I don't know, but I think Pete has, come to studiolivetoday.com. You can see the archive from January 2016 when we first started the channel here right up to September 2020. So you can, you can even just have some fun and just go, hmm, what was Pete talking about in October 2017? Let's find out. He was talking about uh, an iOS mobile recording rig for, for under $300. And then, of course, uh, if we just uh, tap on that one, it is going to open up the video and you can watch the video, you can read the notes about it, and it's all there for you to explore. So uh, that, that's my tip. Again, <laughs> it's like the, the, the how, to, how to buy Action Hero Man episode. It's like the how to watch more of Pete's videos answer to a question. But to be honest, it's, what I've been trying to do here is to just build this catalogue of information so that uh, my brain kind of is stored online, um, and not just my brain, but my experience is probably the better way to put it. So everything that I've learned, the reason I started this channel to begin with is I couldn't find this content. Like there were people, don't get me wrong, Patrick, the GarageBand guy was doing a bunch of good stuff. Uh, there were a bunch of people, but no one was really focusing really heavily into the nuts and bolts of GarageBand iOS. So I did. And as I learned, I thought, well, other people want to know this stuff. Maybe I should share it. And that's that was the the impetus for creating Studio Live today. So yeah, you got a search box there, search box there, and uh, you can go to your heart's content and find all the things that you need. 
Let's see. I think we had one more question here that came in through the week. Uh, uh, yeah, here we go. We'll jump back over. So MM says, uh, I'm using a Shawmic 55SH on an iPhone 11. Sound is crispy clear. However, volume is low. Any idea? So yeah, when you have good quality audio but low volume, it's usually down to amplification or more specifically a preamp. So it does depend on what audio interface or what you're using to plug in. Uh, related to input gain as well. So whatever you're using, you need to find the balance between the gain being too low and therefore you having to boost up the sound and maybe introducing some noise that way. Or if you've got it too high, we've talked about it before, you're going to risk clipping your audio. So if your audio levels are too high and you clip your audio, then that's going to give you distortion and some pretty cruddy sounds in there. So it really is a balancing act with that. Now, if you're plugging directly in and maybe you're going in through, say, a quarter-inch jack, then you're not going to get the benefit of the preamp. And I've showed this in previous videos where if you use just a standard iRig and you try to plug a microphone, even a dynamic microphone, which doesn't need uh, phantom power, it's not going to go through the preamplifier. So you're not going to get enough audio level into your microphone. So uh, I don't know what you're using there, but I would I would suggest uh, you may need to get an audio interface that has a nice clean preamp in it. I use the Steinberg UR22C. That gives me plenty of gain for all of my microphones. And uh, yeah, hopefully that will help you get a better recording sound. Righty dokie. Uh, let's see. Do we have any other questions here? from folks through the week. Uh, thank you to Jade, who's doing wonderful uh, moderating duties as always. Yes, you can search for my videos there. Uh, and also the GarageBand FAQ. So yeah, that's a, that's a good one. If, if you are specifically looking for GarageBand-related information, I do have the GarageBand iOS FAQ. So if we jump back over to my screen here, across the top here, we got a bunch of stuff. Uh, so the GarageBand iOS FAQ here, is this one. So if you are starting out with GarageBand, this has got like your overview, getting started, all the videos, the essentials videos, the quick jams, all the things that you want. So if someone comes to you and says, hey, you use GarageBand, uh, how do I get started? Uh, instead of you having to sit down for four hours and explain it, if you send them here to uh, studiolivetoday.com slash GarageBand, they'll have everything they need. And I've also got my FAQ there. So in alphabetical order, there's everything you wanna know and a whole bunch more questions, answers about what to do with your GarageBand iOS. Uh, the other thing that I'll draw your attention to, I'm about to update with the specs of the new iPad since they are about to hit the shelves, or in the case of the iPad Air already has, uh, is my iPad buyer's guide. <clears throat> so here's my current recommendations for July 2020. Need to update this to September 2020 because that iPad Air 4 is definitely going to be in this best performance uh, area. We've got the iPad Air 3rd gen there, the 20 19 model, but the 2021 is definitely one worth checking out. And probably the most useful thing that I need to update is my comparison chart. So if you are looking to buy a new iPad and you're in the market, I know it's going to look pretty small on the screen here, but here's my comparison chart. So this has got every iPad ever made. And you can see here as we go across, it's got uh, what, which GarageBand versions they run, because that's important. Uh, we've got uh, whether they have a headphone jack or not, 
whether they're Lightning or USB-C, the processor we have in there, the amount of memory, which is something that can be hard to find in the spec sheets, uh, the minimum and maximum storage, the current prices, links to where you can pick them up. And this one's important, if, especially if you're buying secondhand. These are the A numbers or the model numbers of all of the different iPads. So if you're looking around secondhand and you're in, say, a, a thrift store or a secondhand store at Cashies here in Australia, you, then, yeah, you need to... Oh, I haven't updated the... I haven't updated these from the... Uh, the new iPad. That's the new iPad Pro. I haven't even done those ones. All right, we need some. We need some work here. I need to get busy on this on the weekend, as well as updating the podcast. I need to update that chart because, uh, yeah, I wanted that to be a handy dandy reference for folks who were uh, in the market for an iPad and wanted me to do all the hard work for them because that's my job. All righty, uh, let's just see if we have any more. Uh, any more questions here from folks? I'm just scrolling up the chat here to see if we have anything with a question in front of it. Doesn't look like it here. Hello, Solrak. Uh, so you jump on in there. Uh, no, it doesn't look like it. If you do have, we've got about five minutes left. So if you do have a question, please throw it here in the chat. Uh, it is your chance to, to ask anything. And if you're watching on the replay, by the way, and you have questions, don't worry, we've got plenty more time. You can just throw those down in the questions and me or one of the great members of the Studio Live Today community will circle around to answer. So uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, looks like we're uh, actually, I think I did have a couple more questions here from the week. So let's just jump back over. Uh, oh, I did. I have three more. <laughs> let's jump through these real quick and we'll do some lightning round questions on these last few and then we will finish up here. So a uh, question here, recording music. Uh, so I've got a question here from Dinesh. It says, hey Pete, I've released many songs on my personal channel and also some songs which released were also released on other YouTube channel. If I use a Muse for YouTube content ID, what does it, uh, will it be accepted or what? Does this affect my content ID or what? So if I understand the question correctly here, I'm just going to explain content. ID. So if you release through a Muse, uh, used to be with the free service, it's not anymore, but if you release through a Muse Pro or DistroKid uh, and you pay the extra with DistroKid, you can get YouTube Content ID added. Now what YouTube Content ID does is it uploads your song to YouTube, which happens anyway, YouTube Music, but it also adds a Content ID flag, meaning that if anyone uses your song in any video on the YouTube platform, it will flag that, it'll put a copyright claim, and if that video is monetized and if that video is earning revenue then that revenue is channeled back to you via the distributor that you released through the video that it's uploaded in onto youtube is on an artist channel uh, or a topic channel so it's not going to go to your personal youtube channel it's going to go to a separate youtube channel it'll say uh provided by DistroKid. kid here's the here's the music it'll just be a static image of your your album art and it will be the audio as well so uh yeah that that's the basics of it i don't think it's a great system i don't bother using it for the very occasion that someone might use your song in a video that then becomes popular and that they monetize and then there's a bunch of revenue to collect. I've seen a lot of people pay a lot of money to have this service and never actually receive anything because unless people are consistently using your music in popular videos, you're not actually going to get paid anything. Um, even if people are using your videos in unpopular videos that are not monetized, you're not going to get any revenue. So the whole content ID system, I think, is not really worth it. But if you want to do it, uh, you can do it. Amuse Pro, it's included. And DistroKid, I think it's something like 7 or $8 or $10 per release that you add YouTube Content ID to. Could be wrong on that one. But yeah, not, not really worth it, in my humble opinion. 
Uh, a question here from Pingu. Uh, Pete, I have a question for you. How can I get GarageBand iOS to record the piano sounds from my digital piano via the camera kit? Uh, why do I want to do that? Because for my recent project, I need to use the piano sounds from my digital piano, not from the GarageBand sound library. So how do we do this? How do we find this? Uh, so yeah, there's two ways you can record things. So when it comes to recording, and this video here was about connecting a USB keyboard to record MIDI. So I've, I know I've been through this before, but a quick refresher is that there's two ways to actually get a sound. And we'll, we'll jump over to GarageBand actually to give you a quick demo of this. So there's two ways to record a sound. If we plugged in a MIDI keyboard, we could grab the MIDI keyboard and pretend that this is a MIDI keyboard, not this one. We can play the keys and it's going to record. Now, all the keys are doing is sending the data of which key you're pressing for how long, how hard, and uh, sustain pedals, and maybe some uh, some other smaller things. So all of that is just the ones and zeros, the MIDI data, and then it's triggering whatever instrument you got selected over here. So if we change this instrument to your brass sound instead, and we grab these horn hits... <laughs> then uh, yeah, that's what it's going to be. Oh, my mouse isn't working. Uh, then that's what the sound is going to be. So there's no sound data actually being sent. There's no audio waveform. There's no actual analog audio being sent from your MIDI keyboard. It's just plugging into control your garage band. Now, what you're asking here is, what if we actually do want to record the sound? Well, then we need an audio interface. We showed the simple solutions like this before. So something like the Tascam IXZ or IXZ, where we can plug in a microphone and record it that way. Or you can use the input here, uh, the headphone output from your keyboard, and then plug it into this and record it just like you'd record a guitar. So you have to be careful with the levels, make sure everything's not turned up too loud or you'll, <laughs> you'll create some problems, but you can use that. You can obviously then use any USB audio interface. So just like we showed before, if we come back to the setup here, like we showed before, if I have, I've got my Steinberg UR22C plugged in here, and if I was recording a keyboard sound, I would grab the output of my keyboard, so the headphone jack, I would plug it into, and this is where I probably would use the stereo. So I'd plug it into the, the left and the right jack here, so just use a headphone out to two TS plug, two quarter inch plugs to go into the left and the right. This time, I'd hit plus on here, I'd go uh, more sounds, I'd go keyboards, and I'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing some classic keys, so it's going to put that sound on there. Yep, I've got that connected. And then I would choose this and go stereo. So I'll then plug in my keyboard into there, into there, and then we'd go for it. We'd be off to the races. So that's the way I'd approach recording a sound. If you want the actual sound of the keyboard, as opposed to the keyboard triggering the MIDI sound of your piano here. And you'll then get, instead of it being a, a, a green track, so if we grab this one, you'll notice that if we record in here, do really slowly. <laughs> you'll notice that this records in MIDI information. So this means it's completely changeable and we can move things around, we can edit it, we can do that. And then of course we can change the instrument after the fact. We can turn this from our grungy horn hits back into some chill keys and then it's gonna sound. like that. Uh, whereas, of course, your regular sounds, which we don't have in here, but will be these blue ones. So these are your waveforms if you're capturing the actual sound of the keyboard. Makes sense. Hopefully it does. Uh, yeah, so you can't record just straight through the lightning because it's not sending audio. It's only sending ones and zeros. It's only sending data. If you want the audio sound, you've got to get something to plug into the audio output of your stuff and then plug it into an audio input that then connects up with your other 
gear being your iPhone or your iPad. Hopefully that makes sense. One more thing. Let's uh, let's let's jump in here and take a one final question here from Anna. It says uh, the one thing I'm having trouble with is copy and paste. For some reason, it always always goes wrong, uh, so I get frustrated giving up. Do you have any tips? So I have done some videos on copy and paste before. It can be a little bit finicky to do, uh, but let's sort of give give some ideas here. So. So we want to copy and paste something here. We want to copy and paste from this track and we want to create a new track with it. Well, if we come in here and we tap on there and we tap on copy, the thing is, is you need to know where your playhead is where you want to actually paste it. So if we want to paste it straight after there, we tap, we tap, we tap, keep everything very stable and then hit your paste button. And that will actually make sure that it all copies in there. If we want to paste it somewhere else, like down here, we hit paste, see it creates a new track, but it puts it in a random location. So that can be a bit of a challenge. And what I tend to do is zoom right on in. So let's just do that again. We'll delete that out there. Say I wanted to move this down to this track. If I just tap it, tap it, copy it like that, and then just tap down here and do paste. Whoop, can't paste in that selection. Uh, do paste. Oh, why can't it? Oh, because, yeah, because I've got it. See, I have the playhead at the end. So you need to make sure that your playhead is right where you want it. And sometimes you'll need to come in nice and close and then hit your paste, and there you go. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do a video actually on copy and paste because I think I mentioned it before uh, in a previous show, but I've got it. There's a bass part that Jade recorded that I deleted that I have in an old archived version, but I want to actually copy it over and bring it into a new track, um, a new version of my project. So um, I'll be doing, I'll be talking copy and paste very soon. So uh, uh, hopefully that will help more folks out. I think I saw a final question over here from our buddy Stu. So we'll bring this one. Uh, Stu asks, has anyone got Ravenscroft? Is there a way of varying the level of sustain? My MIDI keyboard pedal either gives full sustain or nothing. I need more control. That's a good question. Uh, I'm not actually sure. Um, so it looks like people are actually given... Uh, people are given some advice. I, I've not actually played around with the sustain, to be honest, in the Ravenscroft or, or really ever needed to, I tend to just use sustain pretty statically. So I'll just hit a note, I'll hit sustain, and then when I release the pedal, it comes off. So if you're getting too much sustain, there might be some settings in there, Stu, that you can play around with. I haven't ever played with it, uh, but there's some other folks in here that are, I think are giving some, giving some details there, but maybe it's something we can play around with. I, I would ask that over on the GarageBand users group, mate, um, or create record release. I think folks there will probably be able to give you some, uh, some better information than clearly I can, because I don't know the answer to that one. Uh, Jade says the short answer is no with Ravenscroft. There you go. So, uh, bearer of bad news, Jade. <laughs> um, so yeah, it might just be that you'll need to, I don't know what you can do. Maybe just vary your volume overall. But uh, yeah, there you go. A bit of a limitation there. One, one that I haven't, uh, I haven't come across before because I've never really tried to uh, try to play around with it. <laughs> All righty. Um, that is going to do it for this one. So thank you for being here. If you are here live, uh, we do have our happy hour show coming up in four hours time. So I know for our folks in the UK, that might be a wee bit late. Uh, for those in uh, here in Australia, you can grab some lunch and hang out with me. If you're in the US on the east or the west coast, it'll be your afternoon 
your evening. Uh, so grab yourself a beverage, settle in for at least an hour of tunes. And we're doing the jukebox edition again today, which was a lot of fun last week, where we'll be just uh, randomizing. And uh, if anyone has requests and they want to donate, then we will play whatever folks want to be played. So it should be a lot of fun with that one. We'll be back again tomorrow at this same time with GarageBand Weekly, where we'll be summarizing all of the announcements from last week with the new iPads, iOS 14, and a bunch of other stuff as well. So thank you for being here. If you're watching on the replay and you have questions or comments, drop those down in the description as well. And uh, I hope to see you around real soon. Remember, be nice to yourself. First and foremost, be nice to other people. Look after yourself. Keep creating music. And I'll see you again soon. Take care, bye.